Welcome to True Paranormal, the podcast with your host, Leo Rizzuti. Every week we will explore such topics as ghosts, demons, poltergeists, haunted history, time shifts, cryptozoology, and other aspects of the paranormal through listener-submitted accounts, documentary studies, and interviews with the investigators that dedicate their lives to searching for proof of the unknown. So get a fresh cup of coffee, dim the lights, relax, and get ready for a short visit to the realm of the true paranormal. Hi guys, Leo Rizzuti here. Welcome to another episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. I've just got to get this right out front. I had somebody at work today complain about the heat that we've been having lately. And my response to them is, look, we just went through four months of January and then two marches back to back and then straight into June. I don't want to hear anybody complaining about the heat at all until it's pumpkin latte season, at least. And then we can all start complaining about pumpkin everything. (laughs) At any rate, guys, um, that's my two cents worth on the weather. I I like the warm weather. I'm a southern boy, so I like it kind of warm outside. Um, I think that that is way better than having to tromp through three feet of snow to go anywhere on earth. Um, we do have a lot of uh, great stories that you guys have sent in for us, so we're going to jump right into those. Our first story of the evening comes to us from Cheryl, and she has titled it Sally Ann. Okay, Cheryl, let's see what you sent to us. Selling real estate, like I do, is an adventure unto itself. Sellers and buyers are always full of surprises but occasionally the homes hold a few of their own. In April of 1989, I didn't believe in ghosts. No real reason to. It wasn't logical. But, unfortunately, this story is true. That spring, I listed a beautiful 200-year-old Italian-style mansion on six acres. The home was halfway through renovations when the owner gave me my first tour. We walked through the grand entryway, separating twin front parlors. The one on the left served as the living room. A beautiful antique grand piano nearly filled the music room in the right parlor. A large formal dining room and just beyond, and a renovated gourmet kitchen and bath finished the first floor tour. We walked up the wide curved staircase in the center of the home, circling to the third floor tower. The tower was one room, surrounded by windows, where one could overlook the entire farm and surrounding countryside. Heading down to the second floor, five of the bedrooms were in various stages of construction. That is, all but one. The sixth bedroom, painted a sunny yellow with white trim, was left untouched. The owner explained that that room couldn't be changed. If they tried to paint it, for some reason, the new paint faded and the yellow walls greeted them again the next morning. The temperature in that one room was also a constant 70 degrees, no matter what season. It was the young son's room of the owners in the late 1800s, and the homeowner said that he was one of the ghosts in the house. When you walked in that room, you felt a presence, 
as if someone was there. It was a calm presence, but it felt as if eyes were on you. I told myself, I don't believe in ghosts, but I wanted out of that room. According to the owner, sightings had been seen of a young boy, a woman, and two men while only her family was at home. While the workmen were there, tools disappeared all over the home, never to be seen again. Noises of something being dragged and footsteps coming from upstairs while the workmen were alone downstairs were reported. I, of course, totally discounted the stories because I don't believe in ghosts. Goodbye, I told my new client. It's been a most enjoyable afternoon. I left, excited about my unique historical listing and couldn't wait for my first open house in two weeks. The day of the open house was beautiful, 60 degrees and sunny. Tools were put away. The home gleamed. Visitors entered in the kitchen door where they sampled homemade donuts, mint iced tea and coffee, while they waited for either me or the other agent that was there to take them on a tour. The agent would then let the prospective buyer out the front door and return to the kitchen for the next visitor. Towards the end of the three-hour opening, I let a very nice woman out the front door when a cold breeze hit me when I closed the door. Turning to go back to the kitchen, I glanced to my right. Sitting at the piano in the music room was a young woman dressed in a plain gray dress, her dark hair drawn back in a bun. Her large, dark eyes seemed to hold no light. She was sitting quietly, just looking down at the keys. No music was playing. The hair on the back of my neck, for some reason, rose with goosebumps. Startled by seeing a visitor unattended, I went back to the kitchen to find the other agent. Why is there someone wandering around the house without you? I asked. There's no one else here, the other agent answered. Well... Maybe she came in the front door, I suggested. In that case, there's a lady waiting for you in the music room. The homeowner, who was sitting at a table, asked, What does she look like? As I described her, the owner smiled. You've just met Sally Ann. Who's that? I asked with some apprehension. She's our ghost. The hair on the back of my neck stood up and I broke out into goosebumps yet again as I raced back to the front rooms. The music room was empty. The living area also was empty. I ran up the stairs. The bedrooms were empty. Only one place left, the tower. Taking the stairs two at a time, I reached the door. It squeaked as it slowly opened. Empty. She was gone vanished. My heart was pounding. I was shaking as I slowly descended the staircase and walked back to the kitchen. This was silly. I don't believe in ghosts. Reaching the kitchen, I sat down and the owner pushed a cup of strong coffee in front of me. My hands were trembling and the hot liquid nearly spilled. The owner began to tell me the story of Sally Ann. Sally Ann, her husband, brother-in-law, an eight-year-old son were the original owners of the home. Sally Ann had an affair with her husband's brother, and when he found out, the two men dueled in the hallway of the second floor. Both men died as a result of their wounds. 
Sally Ann's son also died a year later of typhoid. Sally later died at the young age of 30 of what was said to be a broken heart. She shows herself only to people she approves of as guests in her home. But she is a kind ghost and is treated as another member of the family. Every once in a while, we'll see her son with her. Her two brothers are probably the ones responsible for the tools missing. You just haven't seen them. I'm thinking, great, Sally likes me, but I don't believe in ghosts. The owner continued her story. I hired a seer to come evaluate the ghost situation. He identified all of the ghosts. The family is all buried at Lexington Cemetery. He told me to rent a metal detector and search around the fifth fence post from the front corner of the house. I would find Sally Ann's wedding ring. So I did. And two feet down, I found her wedding ring with her initials. It's in this drawer. Walking to the sideboard, she opened a drawer and pulled out a small band with initials on the inside. My breath caught. The hairs on the back of my arm stood up. Some deep breathing helped, mind over matter, and calmer now, I had again convinced myself that Sally Ann, or whatever it was, was merely a figment of my imagination. It was just an old ring. After all, I don't believe in ghosts. I had finished my coffee, and since the open house was now over, the other agent and I prepared to leave. As we neared the front door, I felt again a cool breeze. The goosebumps returned. The hair on the back of my neck once again stood up. Chills went down my spine. Slowly, I turned around, and at the top of the stairs stood Sally Ann. She was smiling. The owner had told me where the family was buried at the cemetery, and because I am annoyingly curious, I later went to visit. There they all were, the whole family, just as she had said. Still a cynic, I went to the historic archives to search for the stories. They were there. The seer's stories checked out. There was even a picture of the widow. It was Sally Ann, looking exactly as I had seen her. I believe in ghosts. Wow, Cheryl, to say that that's a really cool story is a bit of an understatement. That was a wild, wild experience that you had there. And I love how in your story, you show how you were all during this uh, activity, you were trying to convince yourself over and over that you don't believe in ghosts. And I think that a lot of people that first come in contact with the paranormal, especially the more skeptical amongst us, tend to have that same mindset of, you know, you see something or you experience something and there's really no other explanation, but you can't go to the explanation of it's a haunting or it's paranormal because you don't believe in ghosts. How can you say that it's a ghost if you don't believe in ghosts? So I definitely uh, appreciate that kind of perspective on it. And I also wonder how often this actually happens to real estate agents. I know that back years ago, I used to own a home repair business. And I did have an encounter once with uh, someone 
that uh, was not amongst the living in a house where I was doing some repairs. I was told by the homeowner at the time that there was a little boy that was in the house that I shouldn't be startled if I see a kid running around, even though I was in the house by myself and this was a single lady. So she said there wasn't anybody else living there, but that if I saw this little boy, not to be alarmed, that that's just her friendly ghost that lives in the house with her. And sure enough, my second day in the house, I see this little boy run right through the kitchen. And I got to admit that it kind of freaked me out a little bit. But taking the homeowners at their word, I kind of just said, well, there's the ghost. I had that experience. Um, It is very cool also that you were able to get some concrete confirmation as to what you saw and what the homeowners related to you. It's nice that they had a psychic come out and give them uh, what their opinion was and what their valuation was on the haunting. But to go into the historic archives and actually have confirmation, not only of the story, but also the picture of the woman that you saw in the house, that would be absolutely what I would call irrefutable proof of what you saw. I do appreciate you sending us your story. Thanks a lot, Cheryl. That was awesome. Okay, our next story comes to us from Matt, and he has titled it Little Boy Blue. Okay, Matt, let's see what you sent. Have you ever had an encounter with a spirit, an entity, or something paranormal, but you were not aware of it until someone told you so? This is such an experience that I had in the office when I was working late. So, before I start the story, let me get into the details first. I work in a call center here in Manila, Philippines. So, since we have to adjust our schedule to the country we are catering to, most of us in the call center world usually work the graveyard shift. Now, on with my story. I had this experience with a little boy in the elevator at work. He looked to be about 8 years old and was always wearing blue. We would always share the elevator during my break at 3 a.m., and he would always go down onto the fourth floor. My office was located on the sixth floor, so I would see him leave the elevator. I would always bid him goodbye, but he would just walk away without saying a word. There were times I tried to talk to him in the elevator, but he would just put his head down and wouldn't talk. I was worried that I might offend him with my talking, so eventually, every time I saw him, I just kept quiet. After a few encounters with this kid, I started thinking of certain things. First, whose parents does this kid belong to? And second, what is he doing in the building so late at night? So, after a few days of not seeing the kid anymore, and with a little bit of luck, I finally had the chance to catch the guards downstairs in the lobby to ask them about the kid. What happened next made the hair on the back of my neck rise. I told the guards that I had been seeing a young boy on the elevator and asked who he was and what he might be doing in the building during those late hours. One of the guards smiled and said, Little boy blue, fourth floor, right? And I told him he was right and asked what was on the fourth floor. Nothing, he exclaimed, and it turned out the fourth floor had been 
vacant for about three years. They also told me that sometimes when they were making their rounds, that they would spot the boy on the fourth floor running through corners of the hallway, and when they turned to look to where the boy went, they would find no one there. I could feel my face turning pale and my heart pounding with fear. After that, I never had an encounter with the kid anymore, but sometimes the elevator would still for some reason stop on the fourth floor, and you could hear a giggle of a little boy in the cold and white hallway of the Harrison building. Whoa, Matt, that's a really cool story. And, you know, that kind of goes hand in hand with the first story that we heard uh, from Cheryl, where you also ran into somebody and had some interaction with them. And in your case, multiple times and tried to communicate with what you thought was a regular person and come to find out later it was a ghost. Uh, I think that that would kind of freak out any of us, (laughs) especially if it's multiple times that we are coming into contact with whatever it is that we're coming into contact with. And it's also very reminiscent to a lot of stories we hear from folks that stay in haunted historic hotels where usually there's a wandering lady or a playful child that goes through the hallways or sometimes some of the rooms, things like that, that is very, very popular these days. Uh, It's almost now getting to be a trope, but it is definitely something that keeps a lot of the hotels busy, especially the old historic hotels. A lot of their business comes from the fact that they do have activity there and people come specifically to experience that activity, especially if it is one that is very recurrent and can be almost predictable. Now that gets me to thinking, why in the Harrison building where you're at, why was that fourth floor vacant? Uh, Was it a cause and effect? Was it empty? because of the haunting activity or was the haunting activity simply more noticeable because it was empty uh definitely would be interesting to find out the reasons behind that and by the way matt thank you for letting us know that you work in a call center in the philippines now we all know who it is that is trying to call us here in the united states during our dinner time i know my mother-in-law for one will be ecstatic to find out that it's all on you matt (laughs) thanks a lot matt for sending your story that was awesome okay the next story that we have is titled harassed by the old hag and is sent to us by joe okay joe let's see what you sent to us for five years i lived in a haunted house in victoria when the activity started out very small things would go missing and weeks later would return to the same place where they disappeared from. This not only happened to me, but also to my mother. But as time went on, things got worse. Now I'd like to share with you three of the most terrifying nights of my life in this house. My bedroom was located in the basement. Nothing ever happened upstairs, only in the basement. One night, I was lying in my room, getting ready for bed. It was just me and my two dogs. I could still feel how cold it got in my room that night. I couldn't see anything, but I knew something was standing right over me. I was so scared that I couldn't even scream for help. The other thing that freaked me out was that even the dogs were shaking. 
while this was happening, my brother, who was in the other room, came in, and he too was shaking with fear. We made our way upstairs and slept on the couch that night. Not too long after this happened, I had a friend over. It was around 4 p.m. We were in our room listening to music when he said to me that he felt as though something was watching us. I had never told any of my friends that I thought my house was haunted before this. I also could feel something standing in the doorway of my room. On my wall, my mother had hung rosaries and some crosses. Without warning, one of the rosaries began to swing back and forth on the wall, and the crosses began to shake. My friend saw this and bolted from the house. While leaving, he actually ran my mother over. He was my friend for 15 years, but he refused to come inside my house again. One night, I left my job and started to walk home. I heard someone calling my name. I turned around, and at the end of the road, there was an old lady dressed in really old, ragged clothes, and she was mad because I wouldn't come and see her. I turned and ran home, but no matter how fast I ran, she was still always about a block behind me. I got home and told my parents, but I don't think they really believed me. Later that night, I woke up and before I knew it, my body was pinned to the bed. It felt exactly like someone was sitting on me, holding my arms over my head. I tried everything to move, but couldn't, and then it was gone. While this was going on, at first I thought my brother was playing a joke on me. But I was three years into a bodybuilding regiment at the time, and when I couldn't move what was holding me down, I knew I was in trouble. I was 16 when this happened, and I moved out as soon as I could. To this day, my mother and youngest brother still live in the house. They have had their church friends over to bless the house multiple times, but it is still haunted. Not to the degree it was when I was there, but the ghost still lets them know that he's there. Whoa, Joe, that's a very unnerving story. And I had a couple of thoughts on that. It definitely sounds like the type of events that you have uh, kind of relate to what we would normally classify as a negative entity, especially the activity surrounding uh, the crosses and the rosary, and also seeing a hag. Uh, If people aren't really all that familiar with uh, negative entities or demons or however you would classify uh, that kind of activity, they often take several different appearances and One of those appearances that they show up as is an old hag. It's a really horrifying, actually terrifying looking old woman who looks maybe diseased and is usually wearing really, really ragged clothes. Um, Conversely, they can also look like a really seductive, beautiful woman. Um, And it's usually the kind of negative entity or demon that we would call a succubus. And if you don't really know what a succubus is, I would definitely invite you to uh, do some research on that. There's a lot of stories and a lot of information on succubi. And I don't really want to necessarily right here on this story go into a lot of the detail on it. But needless to say, succubus 
as or succubi are not anything to just play around with and they're not anything that is pleasant by any means whatsoever but it is something that we see a lot in houses that are uh demonically infested and in fact the attack that you felt the night after you saw the old woman is very much reminiscent of an attack by a succubus where a lot of times you do have what could be explained as sleep paralysis but at the same time you have other things going on there that are not pleasant at all and i will say that i feel like you're very lucky that the attack did not continue i know people who have been attacked by succubus and they are never the same afterwards and i'm definitely glad that you got out of the house before it escalated oftentimes negative entities and demonic entities single out one person especially when you're talking about a succubus or an incubus, which is the male version of a succubus, they will single out one person out of the house for attack over and over and over again, and they will not relent until they get what they want. So that being said, and I don't want to alarm you by any means with this, Joe, but I would definitely keep an eye out. I know you said that you've had church members come over and bless the house multiple times, but there seems to still be activity there. And I will say, if that's the case, if the house has been blessed multiple times and the haunting hasn't really abated, that you have something fairly strong in that house. So what I would do, especially with it being your mom and your brother still in the house, is keep an eye out on it as best you can. Uh, I wouldn't spend too much time there, but definitely when you're over there or whenever you get a chance to talk to them, make sure that nothing more is happening than the little nuisance haunting activity that it sounds like is going on right now. Because what you'll see is you'll see a sign where things are starting to pick up and they escalate, as you've seen in your experience, they escalate pretty quickly into areas that you don't really want your family subjected to. So at any rate, let us know also if anything further happens. We would be interested to hear about that. Or if you need any help from us, be sure to contact us and we see if we can get anybody in your area to get in touch with you. That being said, Joe, thanks a lot for sending your story. That was awesome. Okay, our last story of the evening comes to us from Shauna, and she has titled it My Haunted House. Okay, Shauna, let's see about your haunted house. My family and I moved into the bungalow in Orangeville when I was about 15 years old. After about a year of living there, we hadn't experienced anything paranormal. And then we got a dog. Min was a stray dog from the Humane Society. One night while I was down in the basement watching TV, Min, who was curled up on the couch beside me, unexpectedly started growling. As a new dog, I figured she was just getting used to me, but she jumped off the couch and ran, tail between her legs, into my younger sister's playroom. Still growling like crazy, I got up to see what she was growling at. When I stepped into the playroom and turned on the light, my chest immediately tightened when I realized men's hackles were up from between her eyes to the tip of her tail. She was staring, growling at a corner of the room which seemed to contain nothing, at least to my eyes. 
It freaked me out, so I grabbed her by the collar and took her upstairs. After that, it seemed that more activity kicked up. My mom claimed that at night, when my brother was at home, she would often hear his bedroom door slamming shut. She would go down to see if he was home, and the door would be open. One afternoon, she was going into the basement to do laundry, and out of the corner of her eye, she saw what looked like a man walking towards her. Thinking it was my brother, she turned to ask him why he wasn't at school, and no one was there. I have had a similar experience to this, which only seemed to happen in the basement. Men eventually calmed down with the growling, but every now and then, her head would come up from her nap, and it looked like she was following something across the room with her eyes. If there is a ghost in our house, it's a fairly benign one. For example, the last experience I had with it was when I was watching my soap opera in the afternoon, and all of a sudden, the TV just turned off. The remote control was broken, so I had to get up to turn it back on, thinking nothing of it. As I turned back to the couch, the TV shut off again. I turned it back on, and this time had settled into the couch when it turned off again. In my frustration, I said, Okay, I get it. You're here. Now, will you please turn the TV back on? Suddenly, the TV came back on by itself. I was shocked and a little scared that it had actually worked, but I didn't want to show fear, as the spirit obviously was playing with me. That was the last time any of us have really experienced anything. A psychic said it was my guardian angel playing with me. Who knows? Wow, Shauna, that's a really cool story. And just to put this out there, I don't personally think that it's your guardian angel. I mean, who knows? It could be, but um, don't think that that's how guardian angels work. <laughs> um, and by the way, uh, here we see another example of animals, which we have seen in the past in multiple stories that people have sent us where animals are far more sensitive to activity going on than we are. And that's maybe because they're able to see in different light spectrums. And we all know that dogs are typically colorblind, but they also are able to sense, and cats also are able to see and sense other spectrums of light that aren't visible to us. So it could be that they're reacting to that. And it could also be that they're, more affected by fluctuations in EM fields and temperature variances and things like that, that we would usually uh, need equipment to tell whenever we're doing a haunting investigation that are happening. These animals are actually able to sense them naturally. And that makes them really a great gauge for pinpointing where paranormal activity is happening. If you think that you might be in a haunted location, I would always recommend, now not during an investigation, but in non-investigation time, if you have a dog or a cat, maybe, but usually a dog that you can bring with you, they'll usually point out where the hot spots are for activity. So it's a great tool to have in your arsenal. 
I definitely would say that whatever you have Shauna in your house is more playful than malicious, as we see from the TV incident. Although, you should understand that there is a very, very fine line between being playful and being attacked. And a lot of times that line gets crossed very quickly and we don't even know it. Uh, It's where a lot of people get into trouble with Ouija boards is they'll play around with them and they think that this is a fun game and that this is just a playful spirit. And then all of a sudden it goes from being playful to being borderline abusive. And once it reaches that stage, it's very difficult to get rid of. And it's very difficult to deal with uh, just because the stress that's involved and the fact that these things tend to feed off of your personal energy. So please be careful with that. But from everything I hear, it doesn't sound like you have anything particularly dangerous in your house. It does sound like you just got something there that's having a little bit of fun with you. So I do appreciate you sending your story to us, Shauna. That was absolutely awesome. Well, guys, that is going to do it for this episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. I would like to thank Shauna and Joe and Matt and Cheryl for sending in your stories. You guys are absolute rock stars. And as we always say, if you guys would like to be rock stars and have your experiences shared on our broadcast, simply email them to us at trueparanormalpodcast at gmail.com. That's trueparanormalpodcast at gmail.com. And also, if you are on Facebook, check us out. We're at True Paranormal the podcast. And make sure you give us a like and hit that message us button or the email us button and send us your experience. We'd be glad to share them with the world. Additionally, if you are a listener on iTunes, be sure to subscribe and give us a rating and a review if you get a chance. We'd love to hear from you guys on that. And also follow us on Twitter and any other social media stuff where you happen to see us. We love interacting with you guys every opportunity that we get. So we try to put ourselves out in as many areas as possible. That being said, this is Leo Rizzuti. This has been True Paranormal, the podcast. We'd like to thank you guys for joining us this week and every week. And be sure to join us again next week for another episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. We'll be right back.